I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Check engine light on? Take the guesswork out of your check engine light with O'Reilly Veriscan. It's free and provides a report with solutions based on over 650 million vehicle scans verified by ASE certified master technicians. And if you need help, we can recommend a shop for you. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 256, and today we're back with another Rut Radio episode in which we're hearing from hunters all across the country to find out about the progress of the whitetail rut, about how current conditions are impacting deer, and what tactics are working right now for deer hunters across the country. All right, welcome to another episode of the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And uh, I am sitting today in my pickup truck in the woods of northern Michigan at my family deer camp. And I got a I got a camp full of guys inside. They're sitting by the wood-burning stove drinking cold beers. And Spencer has forced me to go sit in the truck and record a podcast with him. Um, so... <laughs> This better be a good one, man, right? <laughs> yeah, it will be. You know what happened the last time you left me alone, so uh, I know, I know. You're going out of your way to, to be on this episode. Not going to let that happen again. So uh, for, for anyone who hasn't heard these episodes before, the the twenty the 10-second cliff notes is that we hear from hunters all across the country about what's happening right now. What's happening in the woods? What are the deer doing? How are different current conditions impacting deer? And what can we as hunters be doing right now to uh, have a little bit more success in the woods? So we're in December now. Things are changing, aren't they? I mean, this is sweet November came and went, and it came and went fast, didn't it? Yeah, it uh, it feels like it. And you mentioned we're now in December. Some of the late season stuff is what you're going to be hearing, uh, you know, for these next few episodes and our final episodes. Um, and for the first time in probably a month, we are hearing a lot of weather talk. Um, that is something that you get in September and October, but then the rut comes in November and just the, the rut and the time of year trumps everything else. But now that we are in December, uh, you hear a lot more of, of what the forecast looks like and how that's going to affect deer movement. It's very true. Um, I'm also curious about what the emotional forecast is for you right now Spencer how are you feeling emotionally now that you've made it through the month of November because it's always a little bit of a grind it always kind of wears me down a little bit but it also at the same time it's also it's like a adrenaline rush of excitement for several weeks there now we're kind of coming out of that where are you are you 
are you a little bit do you have like that postpartum depression happening right now post november depression or are you rejuvenated after a nice thanksgiving and you're excited for the late season so most years i would be bummed that it is december and we now have snow on the ground and it's gotten cold um but this year i drew a rare muzzleloader tag in south dakota uh, and it's good for the whole month of december so i'm very excited um you know, I'm one of the few people in the state who had this tag. There's only like a thousand of them given out, which sounds like a lot, but it's good for the entire state. So it's a tough draw. I'm very excited for this December, more excited than I normally would be, uh, you know, to see the calendar flip. That's good. I, mean, I feel like South Dakota, it just seems like you've got like seven buck tags every year. It just seems like every time I hear from you, ah, oh, killed another South Dakota buck, got another South Dakota buck tag. How do they do this? <laughs> uh, a lot of deer and few hunters. Yeah, it's so. a good situation. Yeah, I know you. Just, I know. I was gonna say you want me to keep that a secret, so you can mm-hmm. you can edit this out when we're done. Um, so I am I am taking this wildly off the rails, though. I know you probably had a plan as far as what you want to talk about from the theme standpoint. I will say. Um, <laughs> answering the question that I asked you that I am I'm on the emotional upswing I had like my post November depression a little bit like the rut came and went so quick it seemed like and then I was a little worn out now I'm getting like a little bit of you know re-excited for that late season time period because the bright side of November being gone is that now that we are moving into December we do get more patternable deer these deer return to more consistent bed to feed patterns that if you're a hunter who's got deer that are that are you know at least unpressured enough that they stick to a daylight movement pattern, you can you can get on those deer now um, in a consistent, relatively consistent fashion at least. So that is that's like my silver lining. I get excited about this time of year, and, and I gotta believe that's probably something our guests talk about this week. Is that is that true? For sure. Yeah, that's uh, something you'll hear all four of our guests talk about, and something that came up with a few callers this week. Um, that I've never really considered before until I heard them talk about it was how December can look based on how November went. Specifically, you heard two of our people um, talk about how they felt it was more of a trickle hu- trickle rut this fall. Um, and coming into early December, that bucks are probably more wore down than they typically are. And so that's going to change some things that, um, you know, they're going to be betting right on top of food um they're not going to be really interested in anything rut related at this point as far as like sparring or or chasing does that kind of thing um because you know these hunters felt that they observed what some people would say is a trickle rut based on how the the moon came through or what the the weather was doing in november um so that's something that i think I'm, i'm going to pay attention to going forward you know how those bucks uh, we're acting over the last month, uh, you know, and how that's going to affect th- affect some things late season. Yeah, that is a that's an interesting observ- observation. Who who are these people that we talked to this week? We start off in Minnesota uh, with Mike Fitzgerald from Bowhunting.com, and then from Stewart Ranch Outfitters in Oklahoma is Clay Force. Then we talked to T.J. Unger from the Virtue TV in Indiana, and then we end in Georgia from Seek One Productions is Lee Ellis. Lee Ellis, that guy gets after some real big city bucks. I'm interested to hear. I, we talked to him earlier this year on the main episode. I'm, I haven't heard about how his season's gone, so I'm interested to hear what he has to say. 
What I like this week about talking to Lee is that, you know, in Raw Radio, we try to cover the whole country and, and cover different regions and stuff. Um, and, and for this episode, it felt like we covered completely different species of deer almost because we talked to Mike in Minnesota, who's hunting the big woods around Duluth. And then we also talked to Lee uh, in Georgia, who is hunting bucks that are as urban as it gets. So you'll get some really unique insight, I think, on this week's episode. Well, I'm very interested to hear that insight, and I think I'm more interested in hearing that than I am in hearing myself talk any longer. So unless you have something you want us to touch on, I'd say we should just get right to it. Let's go to the first caller. I'll talk to you next week, Mark. Sounds good, Spencer. Before we get to our first caller, though, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Neil Hogger, a land specialist out of Wisconsin. And Neil is going to be talking to us about what buyers should look for when they want to put food plots on a property that doesn't currently have any? Well, I always like to try to add food plots in areas that are kind of a natural line of travel. So let me speak to my own experience in my own place. Um, I'm in big woods, and there are no food plots, and there are, are no agricultural fields for miles. So my limitations were that I only have so many places I can put them. That was the first limitation of where can I put them? Where is it flat enough? Where is it dry enough? Um, but what I try to do on my own place is I try to design with line of travel for the animals in mind and also approach. So my own line of travel. And uh, for my point of it, my side of it, I try to approach my food plots in a perpendicular manner, meaning kind of have a 90 degree angle so that I have, I minimize the opportunity to cross paths with the animals as they're moving on their natural travel lines, if that makes uh, sense. So uh, cover, bedding cover to food to maybe more bedding cover. And I put my food in the middle and then I try to approach it at a 90 degree angle. So there's one point of contact on that line, if that makes sense. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Neil currently has listed for sale, Visit whitetailproperties.com backslash hogger. That's H-A-U-G-E-R. All right, and joining us on the line first is Mike Fitzgerald in Minnesota from bowhunting.com. Now, Mike, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably put it around a 7 or an 8. Uh, seemingly uh, been a little bit of increase of daytime activity now. Um, bucks are starting to get out with this colder weather and, uh, you know, they're recharging their batteries. They're hitting any food sources, um, uh, that are available up here. And, you know, our, our winter has really kicked off already. We got quite a bit of ice on the lake and uh, quite a bit of snow in the woods already. So those deer are starting to move in. The deer that do migrate into wintering areas are starting that process. So we're seeing, um, certain areas where deer are kind of vacating, but those areas where they like to winter, where they have those um, winter food sources, they're really starting to move in. And if you have one of those spots, that's uh, a great place to be this time of year. So what are some of those winter food sources that you look for in northern Minnesota? One of the biggest ones really for us are, are signs of logging activity, new clear cuts. Um, there's kind of that sweet spot, that two to probably five-year-old clear cut. Um, has a lot of woody brows. Those aspens tend to be the first trees to regenerate um, up here. And so they, they browse the crap out of those things. Um, so that's one of the main areas. And then any any spot where there's, uh, you know, little towns, 
that kind of thing. They key in on people's bird feeders. There's always people that are feeding deer um, throughout the season. So um, our the biggest yarded areas that we see around here tend to be on one of two of those two kind of areas. What do you look for in bedding uh, with these deer kind of making that winter migration as they get into some new areas? This time of year, with it being cold, um, you know, we have a lot of uh, rocky ridges and outcroppings. Finding those south-facing bedding ridges that make good bedding area, Um, it exposes them to the sun on those sunny days. Um, If it's not that sunny, um, anywhere where there's thick tree cover, if you got a, a cedar grove or something like that, um, that will protect them from the cold, hold in the heat a little bit, and keep the snow off of them. They like that kind of stuff. In your part of the country, I imagine everything has ice on it at this point. Is water a factor for late season hunts? Um, if you have an area, uh, whether it's a, a stream or river where there is open water, they'll try to keep towards that. But honestly, um, for us, most most streams, um, even by now, uh, have started to ice over and. You know, the whitetail, they get all the moisture they need from the snow on the ground and, and uh, you know, even a little bit out of the, you know, woody browse that they're having. So it's hard to key in on, on water here in the late season. It's more about food and cover. Once these whitetails move into that late season range, uh, do you have better success hunting them in the mornings or evenings? It's uh, honestly midday, um, especially this time of year uh, in the early part of, of December, um, seems to be one of the best spots. It's the temperatures have come up from that morning dip. Um, the sun is out if the sun is going to be out in the day. Um, and, you know, they're in energy conservation mode. So they want to move during the warm part of the day. If they can, they want to stay better down if it's extremely cold or windy. Um, you know, eventually they have to move anyway. But if, if the pattern works out well where you have one of those sunny mornings um, that's gonna, and the temperatures are going to bump up a little bit, that you know, 10.30 to 2 o'clock period of time can be dynamite. How do you go about scouting for these late season deer? Um, Are you out there in person looking for sign, or are you trying to glass from a distance, or are you actually running any trail cameras in some of these spots? Um, I I still try to run trail cameras, but honestly, boots on the ground this time of year is the best way. We have snow cover, um, and we get snow frequently, so you have a good... Um, indication of of current activity from the last you know anywhere from 24 hours to four days Um, getting out in the woods and find those trails you know just like you know any creature um, in the winter once those trails are established and the snow starts to get deeper they like to stick to those trails unless they have to get off of them so if you find an established trail they're going to use that rather than break trail through the snow Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Minnesota? Um, I think it's going to maintain kind of that similar 7 to 8. Um, again, those uh, midday hunts, you can get out there um, and catch them in that activity midday. And, you know, there's always that last little, you know, that last half hour, 45 minutes of light is good. But uh, those temps drop fast here, especially on those clear nights. And, um, you know, they'll get to where they're going, get their food, but they're going to be quicker in the evening where they might uh, hang around a little longer in the afternoon. All right, Mike. Well, good luck in the Northwoods. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I appreciate it, Spencer. Take care. All right, and joining us online next is Clay Forrest from Stewart Ranch Outfitters in Oklahoma. Now, Clay, in Oklahoma, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? 
Um, I believe our uh, our buck activity is still pretty high. Um, I'm going to call it about a, a six to a seven right now. So what we're seeing right now, at least in our part of the state, which is the southwest part of the state, um, I believe the rut is winding down to almost finished uh, with the time frame we are right now. There's a very small percentage of does that are still still coming into heat and still seeing a few little deer little deer chasing bucks or excuse me, little bucks chasing does. Um, and so I believe right now food sources are going to be key. Uh, we just got done with our last rifle hunt uh, this past Sunday, and almost every buck that we shot was over some sort of food source. So I believe with uh, this big weather event that we've got coming in this weekend, that food source is going to be key as far as, uh, our, as, far as chasing deer this week, this week, and the week into the weekend. What specific food sources are you focused on in Oklahoma? Uh, so for our part of the state, winter wheat um, is a, the main food source for our part of the, of the state. Um, so really anybody that's got anything green right now is going to be, I think, a hot ticket item, uh, whether that's uh, a turnip patch, winter wheat, oats, rye, you know, anything that you had planted for a, a fall food plot, that winter food source right now I think is going to be, be key. Now you have a pretty high deer population at your place there. Um, do you always see a secondary rut, and do you always see a consistent secondary rut, or is that something that varies for you from year to year? Uh, it varies a little bit, but definitely see that, that secondary rut. For the most part, our height as far as rut activity is going to be about November 15th to the 20th uh, for about a week or 10 days. Uh, and then things will start slowing down a little bit. And we're seeing that secondary rut right now. Like I said, that those handful of does that didn't get bred the first go around are, are coming back into heat. And we're starting to see, see a little bit of a secondary rut. But like I said, it's going to be probably, you know, two out of 10, something like that. It's pretty minimal uh, as far as rut, prime rut activity right now going on. So we really shifted gears and concentrated on food sources. And like I said, we were pretty successful. We had a, uh, four hunters in this past week and we killed four pretty nice bucks so that's really where our uh, focus concentrated on you mentioned a promising forecast coming up what are the weather patterns that you usually look for in december to get bucks on their feet uh just big cold snaps big cold fronts uh we're expected some snow and some freezing rain with this so I believe with the rut winding down with a really big cold blast for at least for our standards in Oklahoma bucks are going to be on food sources they're going to be really looking to replenish from the from the rut and going into this winter so uh with this really big cold front coming in i would camp out on a food source and i believe your chances should be pretty pretty high with your recent successful rifle hunters what time of day did those kills come were any of them mornings or were they mostly evenings uh, honestly, a lot of them, uh, mid morning to, uh, actually midday, uh, we actually had some success, uh, between like 12 and two. Um, so honestly, if you've got a, a good comfortable stand, I still think an all day set is, is worthy. Um, especially with deer wanting to hit that food source and a little bit of that secondary rut. I think you're catching a little bit all of the above right now. So, um, like I said, uh, mid morning to midday, uh, we had, I think one shot mid afternoon, but for the most part, it was kind of a mid morning to midday, uh, situation this past week. In states like Oklahoma where baiting is legal, is that something that'll help you find mature buck in December or, uh, do mature bucks not really kind of fall for that trick? 
No, I believe so. Um, at least in our state where feeders and, and that sort of thing are, are legal, they're going to go hunt that food source, um, either be a big patch of food plot, winter wheat, that sort of thing, or whether that's a, a, a protein feeder, gravity-fed feeder, spinner feeder, that sort of thing. I really think bucks are hunting whatever that food source may be. So if you've got a small tract of ground or something like that with just a feeder in the middle of it, I believe they're going to be, be finding that with uh, with what they're looking for right now. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Oklahoma? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it right around that 6 to 7 mark. I don't want to go too much higher than that um, just with the weather the weather's coming in and that sort of thing. But I think it should be a pretty good – pretty good week to 10 days coming up so about a six to a seven great intel clay good luck to your hunters in camp and thanks for joining me all right thanks spencer all right and joining us on the line next is tj unger in indiana from the virtue tv now tj in indiana what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten spencer uh it's been about one month exactly since we did the rut fresh rut report and things have changed pretty significantly here in northeast indiana um, I would give, uh, I would give things on a scale from one to 10, probably a three, a three out of 10 right now. Um, gun season closed last weekend. Uh, and now we're entering a three weekend long muzzleloader season coming up here this weekend. So the woods have been really pressured. They continue to be really pressured. Um, and you know, bucks are, are recovering from a, a really hard rut so far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was a trickle rut, um, but it was long and drawn out. So um, temperatures all season long. So, you know, for Northeast Indiana, um, have been highly variable from October 1st to December 1st, really. Um, so a couple of days of super cold and then it would warm right back up. Um, I really think that this coupled with kind of some off moon phases than what we would hope for, um, have, like I said, turned it into a long, really drawn out rut, a trickle rut, um, which as you guys know, it, it can really take a toll on on bucks we actually we started seeing chasing activity my number one was on his feet uh during daylight hours on october 11th um chasing does so things started early um and just have drug out not real hot all all season but just drug out so uh, for our farms you know we run a lot of trail cameras we do a lot of scouting and uh, for our farms so far as i'm concerned bucks are shut down right now they are in that hard recovery phase from that drawn out rut. Um, you know, what we're seeing right now is, is those bucks are, are sticking to really tight core areas. They're not traveling like they once were, um, you know, in that, in that seeking phase or in the rut. So, um, you know, I think they're bedded down and, and just trying to put on some calories and get rest back up here before, you know, the, the heart of the winter, uh, the winter hits. You mentioned that trickle rut. Is that something that is familiar to you? Like, is that something in the years past that you've seen, and has that changed how you hunt in December? Yeah, actually, it it really has. You know, for years past, um, and I've I've been lucky enough or fortunate enough to hunt the same farm for going on thirty years, um, which has really offered me, you know, an ability to kind of trend and get an idea of what happens on the same farm. Um, but unfortunately for the last, gosh, uh, three or four years, um, it's been a, a trickle rut for us, whether it was, you know, extreme heat in the month of November or, you know, moon phases or whatever it's, it's been, I don't remember the last time that we had, you know, your, your famous rut where, you know, you should be in the stand every day. 
uh, and you're seeing chasing every day during late, you know, daylight activity hours. So um, it's been a long time. So because of that, I've really changed it up um, on how we hunt. So, you know, going into where we're at now, we're in December. Um, I'm actually still focusing on doe activity. Now, don't get me wrong. The majority of the does, uh, at least on our farms, they're all bred. They've all been bred. But trail cameras and, and you know, what we're seeing from the stands, we actually, we had a, a really high success rate or a high population of uh, fawns this year. And a lot of those fawns came on early. Um, so we've got big yearling does, uh, big enough. You know, they say that threshold about 65 to 75 pounds um, could initiate a, a late estrus cycle. So I'm hopeful that some of these yearling does are big enough that, that they could hit estrus here um, during this late season. So like I said, I'm still focusing on does um, or not hunting nearly as hard as what we are. But um, those does are still feeding. They're feeding pretty hard right now uh, on grain. We actually still have some fields that are holding standing beans um, just because of that weather. So um, showing still decent daylight activity for those does. Um, so we're just going to keep an eye, uh, you know, on, on what, you know, what bucks start to show up during the day. Um, you know, I made a pretty, pretty big change up the weekend after Thanksgiving. I moved all of my trail cameras to food and, and greens and that sort of thing. And then to major travel routes. Whereas before, you know, all of us had our trail cameras on scrapes and communication points and, you know, where we're seeing that hot and heavy rut activity. So I've changed it to, you know, really more populated locations, um, feeding sources and, and routes. Um, honestly, where we're at, December, I don't even know the date today, December 4th, I think. Um, the cameras are really going to kind of dictate when and where I'm going to hunt. Following the rut and following those gun seasons in Indiana, do you notice a shift in the bedding by mature bucks? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, these deer, where before I was seeing bucks, you know, bed, I, I had it pretty pretty tacked down um, on where they were bedding, at least on my farm. They've really broken up a ton. Um, obviously, you know, they sorted out their dominance, but they're in the thickest, gnarliest cover. But at the same time, as close as they can get to food and water. You know, I, I really do believe that their primary focus right now is refueling. Um, it's just like you and I, you know, we put in a ton of time during that rut all day since uh, we got to get our batteries recharged. So, um, you know, I, I do expect to see a little bit of late season rut activity, um, but nothing like, you know, nothing like what, what November should have brought. Um, but I think because of that trickle rut, it, it should drag out a little bit into December. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Indiana? Yeah, so, you know, I love it when we're in October going into November because we can talk about changes on a daily or even hourly basis. You know, things can change any minute. Um, unfortunately, where we are in the season, I probably a 3 to 4 out of 10. But as soon as we get more favorable winter conditions uh, that should create a little bit more urgency in their feeding, I'd actually, I, I think I can go out on a limb and, and say I expect to see an update, uptick of maybe five to six, um, you know, out of 10. And when that happens, I'll probably focus on a, afternoon hunts um, over green. So we put a lot of time into 
our food plots late summer for this time right now. So um, once we get some snow on the ground, I expect deer to really funnel into those greens. But um, with, you know, with still a heavy crop of, of beans and, and corn still laying out there, they're going to hit that until it gets a little more drastic, you know, a little more drastic. So, um, you know, heavy weather, I think we could see a, a pretty significant uptick. But until then, I'm probably going to do what the bucks do and, and, like I said, recover from those all-day rut fits and, and uh, at least for now, rely pretty heavily on the cell cameras to give us the, the information that we need to, to make a new plan. All right, TJ, well, good luck during your late-season hunts. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it, Spencer. Have a good one. All right, and joining me on the line next is Lee Ellis from Seek One Productions in Georgia. Now, Lee, in Georgia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, this last week has probably been an 8. Usually our prime week or you know, second, third week in November. And for some reason this year, I don't know if it was weather or what, but I did not see chasing um, wasn't seeing much activity from mature bucks on cameras. Um, and it was just, it was just off. And the la- last week, um, I've seen more bucks chasing more does coming in the heat, uh, than I have all of November. And actually last night I had, uh, about 150 inch eight pointer. I got two pictures of them br- actually mounting and breeding a doe in front of my camera last night. That's where I'm going to sit this evening. What phase of the rut would you say that we're currently in, and uh, what phase of the rut would you say you're normally in this time of year? Normally, it slows down big time this time of year, but I, I think that, um, like I said, I don't know if it was weather, but I think a lot of does just didn't really come into heat very strong or just weren't, weren't didn't get bred. Um, and normally, it's slow this time of year. It's really post-rut, but I'm telling you right now, this is the time to be in a tree. Uh, like I said, I'm seeing way more hard, like hard chasing. I had an encounter with a 180 inch deer last week, uh, dog and two does, and I had them at 40 yards. So I couldn't get a shot on them. Um, this last, the last five days I have seen all, I've had encounters with all of my mature bucks, uh, that I'm after. Is your rut in Atlanta normally different than the rest of the state or do things typically time out the same? I think most of the state is typically the same. Uh, second, third week is kind of, you know, around Thanksgiving. It's really kind of the heat of the rut. Um, but I, I, I've talked to a lot of people, and I, a lot of people are saying the same thing. It's just been an off year, and they're starting to see that second. I think we're having a – I think we had a soft first rut. I think we're having a really hard second rut with those coming back in the heat that didn't get bred and things like that. Also, the weather is just getting – Prime. This week it's going to be like in the 20s in the mornings, and so it's it's going to force those deer to get up and feed. And I think you're going to have does coming in the heat. I think that they're also going to be thinking about food again. Um, so I've I've been trying to stick to my thicker areas, getting around you know privet bushes and things like that. We're losing a lot of cover in our trees too, and it's just there's a more open field. I think that those deer like to really kind of hug tighter to that uh, thicker cover. You got the food with a privet and um, you got a, a combo of kind of later season than going to food, but also the second rut kicking in. I think that's, that's at least where I'm focusing uh, my efforts. 
You were touching on food there. Uh, what are some of those food sources that you focus on in Georgia? Really, when it comes to late season, one of the primary, obviously there's still, you know, still some acorns around, but really the primary food source I see is privet. We've got a lot of privet bushes uh, kind of in low-lying creek areas and things like that. And then they pile, start to pile the privet bushes this time of year. With it being an unusual rut this year, uh, have you seen some weird sign making as well, or is that something that's still relevant for you in December? Oh, yeah. I mean, all the bucks I've seen have been chasing hard. I've had, you know, younger bucks come in and are blasting scrapes and stuff, and usually that kind of cools off this time of year. But I just think this this cold snap, late rut, I mean, I just think that they're – you know, a couple of weeks behind this year. I was going to say, so I've seen, I've seen a lot of activity, deer making rubs and scrapes, uh, a lot of, you know, grunting and chasing. You've touched on weather patterns a few times, but are there any moon phases that get you excited uh, in early December? I really like the new moon. Um, and that's kind of where you're around the new moon, but I, I really like a new moon. I just think that full moons, I believe anyway, that they, just roam around all night and usually i'll see movement really late in the mornings and midday during full moons but new moons i think it's like as soon as daylight cracks they're up and moving they're ready to go um i don't think they feed around as much and especially when you get these brutally cold nights which which we're about to have like sometimes i lay up in the night and then first crack it on they're up moving and feeding looking to feed or if it doesn't heat coming to check her Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Georgia? I think it's going to get better this week. Like I said, I saw that that buck breeding a doe that was in heat last night. It's going to be brutally cold this week. If, if it was an 8 last week, last week was really good. I think it's going to be better this week. I think it's going to be like a 9. All right, Lee, well, I'm looking forward to seeing what giant whitetail you kill next. Good luck and thanks for joining me. Cool, thanks. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunt's Rut Radio. Good luck to all the late season hunters out there. Stay warm when you're in the field. You can tell I obviously didn't because I've had a nasty cold for this entire episode. So my apologies for you guys having to listen to that. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks to our guests, Mike, TJ, Clay, and Lee. And until next week, stay Wired to Hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.